ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you. Once you find one you like, you can then book an appointment with them online instantly. In ZocDoc, there are tens of thousands of doctors, and each one comes with real reviews from real patients. Go to ZocDoc.com 20K and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then, find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's ZocDoc.com 20K. ZocDoc.com 20K. You're listening to 20,000 Hertz. The stories behind the world's most recognizable and interesting sounds. I'm Dallas Taylor. This is the story of a rogue sound designer at Apple who created three of the most iconic sounds in computer history. For those of us who use and love Macs, and I'll pause here to say that I am one of those people, it's about the little things, the sound it makes when it turns on, the way the keyboard clicks, the sound of taking a screenshot, or the satisfying magnetic snap when you close a MacBook. These sounds are engineered and designed with purpose, and that's why I love them. However, as clean and friendly as they sound, there's a darker backstory. One that takes us through legal hurdles and an impressive level of passive aggressiveness. Mark Bramhill, host of the incredible podcast Welcome to Macintosh, tells us the story behind three of Apple's most famous sounds and the sound designer who snuck them into existence. The devices we use every day make all kinds of sounds. You may not think about them much. Maybe you've never even thought about them at all. But we have deep, ingrained associations with each of them. They tell us that something is wrong or give us good news or fill us with anxiety. These sounds are so recognizable, widely known on a scale that's usually reserved for pop music. But these sounds, the sounds we associate as being a part of our technology, they were designed by people. And unlike with a pop song, we almost never know who those people are. Today, I want to change that, to pull back the curtain on the creator of some of the most iconic sounds in our digital landscape. My name is Jim Reeks. I decided to study music and then realized I needed to make money and taught myself software engineering. And that eventually led to getting hired by Apple in 1988. And at Apple, Jim applied his musical abilities to help shape the sonic character of the Mac, to give it the personality we know today. I want to start with a story that tells you a lot about Jim. A story about a sound he made early on during his time at Apple. And it begins with a court case. The case of Apple versus Apple. Apple Inc. versus Apple Core. Apple Core is the, the label set up by the Beatles. See, back when Apple Computer was founded and went public, they had to make a deal with the Beatles record label, Apple Core, saying that they wouldn't do anything with music. Doing so might confuse consumers, which would violate the trademark. But then in the late 80s, Apple added MIDI support to the Apple II. MIDI being what allows you to plug your computer into a musical keyboard and use it as an instrument. And Apple Corps saw this as a step too far. And then at that point, I had become responsible for the sound manager and the Mac. So I became the target 
for the horse-haired barristers suing on behalf of the Beatles because apparently the Beatles needed money. And these wig-bearing barristers wanted there to be nothing musical about the Mac. They even went so far as to check language used in the code, things that no end user would ever see. It was called the note command. And they said that was too musical, so I had to rename it from note to freak command. And that caused everybody that was ever using the sound manager's code to break. And so Apple's lawyers were extra careful with any names that consumers would see. Like the names of sounds, all the swooshes and bleeps and bloops. Including one alert beep in particular, called chimes. This beep sound was something that sounded too musical. So I had to rename that. And I just got so fed up with it. It was so annoying. So that's why I kept thinking about how I could just mess with them. And so Jim found himself at Apple late one night, talking over the problem with friends. I thought I could rename it to Let It Beep. Let It Beep. After the classic Beatles song, Let It Be. It would be impossible to actually get that one through, but I just thought that would be the best. Jim's friends tell him, no, no way can you use this. That is insane. And so I said, yeah, so what? So sue me. As soon as I said that, I realized, no, that's the perfect name. I just have to spell it funny. So sue me. Except spelled S-O-S-U-M-I, as though it were a Japanese word. In fact, when they submitted the name, they said that the word literally meant nothing musical in Japanese. Which, of course, it doesn't. And the lawyers approved it. And to this day, on a Mac, you can choose the alert tone, so sue me. A giant screw you to all the lawyers. No, that's literally what it was for me. It was just me being ornery and getting back at them for all this mundane, nonsensical bullshit. I just have to say, I love this about Jim. His rascally hijinks, thumbing his nose at power, battling bureaucracy with these tiny little subversive acts. But while Jim is often rather curmudgeonly and cynical, he also truly wanted to improve our sonic landscape. Jim takes his vigilante sound designing even further as he attempts to eradicate one of the most annoying sounds in Macintosh history. Stick around. Why should you learn another language with Babbel? Well, there are a ton of reasons, but let's see how many I can fit into 60 seconds. First, Babbel works fast. You can start having conversations in another language in as little as three weeks. Next, it makes overseas vacations more fun and less stressful. I used it all the time on my last trip to Italy. If you work with foreign collaborators, Babbel can help you deepen those relationships. It's a fun thing to do when you need a break, and it's way better than doom scrolling. Babbel teaches you about other cultures. Speaking for myself, learning something new just makes me feel good. It's very affordable. And finally, signing up for Babbel helps support 20,000 Hertz. Okay, make that eight reasons, or otto ragioni, as they'd say in Italian. To get started on a new language today, here's a special limited time deal for 20,000 Hertz listeners. Get 55% off your Babbel subscription right now at babbel.com slash 20K. This offer is only available for our listeners. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash 20K for 55% off. Babbel.com slash 20K. Rules and restrictions may apply. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. NetSuite has simple solutions for complicated business problems. For example, let's say you open a bakery. Before long, your hotcakes are selling like, well, hotcakes. But you keep running out of ingredients. No problem, because not only can NetSuite automate your purchasing so you're never out of stock, but it can also check that your staff have the right training to make those hotcakes to perfection. NetSuite can even handle online orders so your hotcakes can really take off. Having one system handling all of this saves both time and money. And if there's two things we all want more of, it's time and money. Okay, so three things if you include hotcakes. That's probably why more than 37,000 businesses have already signed up for NetSuite by Oracle. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com 20k now to take advantage of this offer. That's netsuite.com 20k. NetSuite.com slash 20K. We've been hearing about Jim Reeks, the sound designer at Apple who took matters into his own hands and created some of the most recognizably Mac sounds we have today. Here's Mark again. Now, you might have noticed that Jim Reeks is a man with strong opinions. When he comes across something he doesn't like, say, lawyers... He does something about it. And though it's hard to find something Jim has more distaste for than lawyers, this sound is one of them. The startup chime of the Mac 2. That startup sound, which was intentionally the harshest thing they could have made. Every time you turned on a Mac, this is what greeted you. It was just horrible. I could not stand it. And not only was it the harshest, most unpleasant sound you could hear, but it played when you were already in a bad mood. You're going to mostly be hearing this sound because your computer just crashed and you lost all your work. And so you were already annoyed at that moment. And back then, your Mac was probably crashing all the time. So you would hear this again. And again. And again. Why do you think they went with that? They thought it was clever. And you're not in agreement with that. It sounded horrible. There's nothing clever about sounding horrible. Nobody told Jim to change this. In fact, nobody even approved the project. Jim took it on in secret, like a God-given mission to fix this travesty of a sound. And so what sound could I make to unannoy you? And so that's kind of where the zen, calming, gong-like thing came up to sort of freshen the palate. Then Jim had to decide, what would the notes be? Couldn't be minor, because that's sad, so it has to be major, but that's a little too contrived, a little too trite, so I started thinking a little bit more about it, and I, I played an overtone series. An overtone series, the basis of all of Western music. The most right-sounding thing possible. And so, after weeks of thinking about it, Jim sits down at his Mac and records. Jim told me he drew inspiration from a number of sources. 
some classical, some more popular music. But he also told me that there was a very specific reference in there. The Beatles, believe it or not, at the end of the song, A Day in a Life, it's a big cacophony of the orchestra. And then there's this big chord that just kind of goes for a while at the end. And so there's, there's actually a bit of that in there as well. Now that Jim had his sound, he had to actually get it onto new Max. I had to basically not ask for permission, but ask for forgiveness. Um, so I put it in really late when no one was really paying attention, except for my buddies who were in charge of that ROM. And so this sound sneaks out into the world. But within Apple, the response was mixed. Some people flipped out. Somehow they got really attached to the horrible sound and were objecting that I was ruining it by getting rid of the horrible sound. But before long, people came around, and the sound became beloved. It's appeared as a punchline in The Simpsons, in movies like Wall-E. It's a sound some of us tried to hide from our parents as we turned on the computer in the middle of the night when we weren't supposed to. It's a sound that has transcended technology. The sound that makes a Mac feel like a Mac. The sound is so iconic, in fact, that it has one of the very few audio trademarks, along with fewer than 200 others, like the MGM Lion or the NBC Chimes. Kind of an ironic turn for a lawyer-hating reeks. But while it's become iconic, people don't know about Jim. He hears the sound all the time, in offices or coffee shops. And the people using their Macs they have no idea they're in the presence of the artist. Sometimes I want to run up to them and say, hey, I made that. Um, and most of them just think I'm an idiot. Sometimes they're like, yeah, whatever. And then sometimes they're like, wow, oh my God, that's totally amazing. But no longer. Last October, Apple introduced a new model of MacBook Pro. And as reviewers got their hands on it, they realized that the startup chime was gone. Now... Max boot in silence. Yeah, what's the metaphor? It's definitely the end of an era. It's a closing of a chapter. It's losing a friend. It's, it's just the end of something. So it definitely makes me sad. Um, it's, it's just no longer the Mac. Recently, I got one of these new MacBook Pros. And each time I turn it on, I find myself taken aback by the startup chime's absence. It used to be that every time you'd turn on a Mac, this device of the future, it would greet you with a reminder of its past, of where it came from. But now, it's like that history no longer matters. And that makes me really sad. But there is one more thing. One other sound Jim made that's still with us. A sound that isn't as iconic as the startup chime or as subversive as the Sosumi beep. But it's a sound that's far more ubiquitous. A sound that many of us invoke daily or even multiple times a day. A sound we might associate with special occasions or some of the most memorable moments of our lives. The camera sound. Originally, it was on the Mac as a screen capture sound. And then when the iPhone came out, 
they moved that camera sound over there. So you don't really hear my startup sound in the wild all that much, but I, you hear my camera all the time. This sound that we hear everywhere, it's Jim's camera. This is, so this is the sound? Yep, that's my Canon AE-1. That camera stuck with me for decades, and I used it to learn photography. So yeah, it became a very familiar sound to me. And then I just, you know, it felt like an obvious thing to put it on the Mac at the time. This ubiquitous digital sound is a recording of a film camera from the 90s. But even this sound, just a recording of a camera taking a picture, was meticulously designed by Jim. He messed with microphone placement and the camera's shutter speed, adjusting everything until it sounded just right. Today, photography is a big part of Jim's life. It's taken over music and sound to become Jim's passion. So it's kind of fitting that the sound of his camera would gain this second life. Does it bring you back at all when, when you hear everyone taking those photos? I hear that sound and there's almost an instinctual reaction sometimes that I turn to see who took my camera. Jim's startup chime is gone. It won't disappear overnight, but in the coming years, you'll hear it less and less and less. But it's nice to know that as we all snap photos of sunsets or well-plated brunches, a family member pretending to hold up the Eiffel Tower or a child gleefully devouring chocolate cake. One of Jim's sounds lives on. Twenty Thousand Hertz is produced out of the studios of DeFacto Sound, a sound design team dedicated to making television, film, and games sound incredible. Find out more at defactosound.com. This episode was produced by Mark Bramhill for his podcast, Welcome to Macintosh, which is an incredible show about Apple and the community around it. To hear more fascinating stories, visit macintosh.fm or find the show Welcome to Macintosh wherever you get your podcasts. The music scoring in this episode is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder and Mark Bramhill. This episode was edited by Rob McGinley Myers, Lacey Johnson, and Tish Stringer. Special thanks to John Legamarcino. You can find 20,000 Hertz at 20k.org. There, you can send us show suggestions, feedback, or reach out about advertising on the show. You can find us on Facebook or Twitter at the handle 20k.org, or by searching 20,000 Hertz, all spelled out. Finally, I need your help on one tiny thing, and that's to tell at least one person you know directly to subscribe to the show. This show is for everyone, young people, adults, parents, aunts, uncles, grandparents. So if there's someone that you'd love to introduce to podcasting, borrow their phone and show them how to subscribe to 20,000 Hertz. For everyone who already knows how to podcast, just make sure they tick the subscribe button. Thanks again for listening. 